Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 133 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here. My guest today is Laura Beauparlon. She is the founder and creative director of Lab Creative. She's also a keynote speaker and the author of a book called Brand Chemistry. During this interview, Laura and I talk about her time living overseas after graduation, overseas in Europe, I should say. Um, She got a job there, didn't quite love it, and that was the point where she started planning her own business. Now, that living overseas actually influenced and inspired her in ways that she wouldn't even really notice until later on in her career. We talk about where her business started, what her business looks like now. We also get into the lab creative process, which I thought was really unique. We talk about the print design that she described as epic and really exciting for her. We talk about how a business card, something seemingly so small and insignificant, can actually be the start of a great conversation and something that lasts in that person's memory, whether it's a prospective customer, prospective client, whatever that may be. We talk about her book and what that process was like and the little change she made for the print of that book that allows it to just get that little bit more attention to make it a little bit different, especially when she's signing at live events. We talk about the challenging pivots that she has faced in her business and what to do when your studio or your creative business, you know, you think you need to make a pivot when something like that comes up. We talk about not burning bridges when client relationships don't work out. Leave that situation as amicably as possible. Don't burn that bridge. We also talk about the project and business she's a part of that supports Canadian women entrepreneurs and why that project is so special to her. That and so much more from my fellow Canadian guest, Laura Beauparlon. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. So are you ready for a quickie then? Absolutely. Perfect. Let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. So my name is Laura Beauparlant. I'm the founder and creative director of Lab Creative, as you introduced me. Mm -hmm. I have been a designer for over 20 years and an entrepreneur for over 15. So I started my business uh, in my late 20s, and uh, I've been on this entrepreneurial journey for for quite a long time, uh, although my business has has pivoted quite a bit, which I think anybody who's an entrepreneur, you kind of know that you don't necessarily stay in one track the whole time. Embrace the pivot. Yes, you have to <laughs> embrace it, but you kind of also have to see it coming. Yes. Right. So I um, I lived overseas for a number of years after graduating from design school, came back and actually found it quite hard to get a a job in the design field Mm -hmm. because I was outside of, 
you know, I hadn't worked for any companies that people knew about. So that was kind of a, it, it was very interesting to me that it seemed like if you weren't already working inside a design firm in the city, mm-hmm. but you had a number of years of experience, it was really hard to get a foothold in. Totally. So that was interesting. Got a job, didn't love it. But what it did is it gave me the time and the ability to start to think about creating my own business, which I think I've been destined to do for a long time. But mm-hmm. uh, so my original business was actually uh, custom wedding stationery, oh, okay. which started in 2004. And if anybody's familiar with that space from the early 2000s, <laughs> there was zero graphic designers designing wedding invitations. Mm-hmm. It was not um, a very design heavy. It was sort of those old binders that you would find with the embossed interch- you know, interlaced wedding bands and yes. doves. And, you know, those ones that you would have pictured maybe for your parents' weddings or maybe your grandparents' weddings, centered script text. Yep. Pretty typical, pretty boring, nothing interesting. Yep. Um, and I had lived in Europe for years. And so my style was always very bold, very colorful, uh, very typographic. And I started developing um, kind of a series of wedding stationery, mm-hmm. including my own. And then the job I had ended up coming to a fairly abrupt end when things with that company weren't working out very well. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I feel like I've just been pushed off that cliff that yeah. I was thinking about tiptoeing off of. And now I've, it was that nudge I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to really start my initial business and which was in that, in that stationary space, which I had for 12 years. And I loved it. I really made a name for myself, got known in that world, was featured in blogs and magazines and won awards. And I think helped shape the industry that it is today. Now, if you look at wedding stationery today, there's so many options that are amazing online. You go into stores, there's mm-hmm. it's you have a plethora of options that are amazing for any different taste and style. So, you know, it's um, that idea of pivoting as we were talking about, I could see that industry was shifting and I was changing and I needed to, make a bigger shift in my own life and my own business. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was about four-ish years ago that um, I started kind of going, okay, well, I've been doing this branding and design work for businesses as well. Started really looking at the numbers and and realized that I was making more money from, from that work than I was from the stationery, okay. even though I wasn't really doing a lot to market that. Mm-hmm. It was all of my marketing dollars was going into the wedding business. All of my, you know, time and energy was into that. And yet here I was actually more successful financially with this other side of my business. So I took some time and, and realized that, you know what, this is really the direction. And I'm, I'm giving you the very condensed because there's, there's a whole backstory to that. But I, I took the time and I came to realization that I love working with the small businesses, the mm-hmm. solo entrepreneurs, because I have so much experience as a small business owner, as a solo entrepreneur for so many years, even though I now have a small team, I can bring so much value and insights to them, not just from a branding and design perspective, but from an entrepreneur perspective and share my journey to hopefully help them 
you know, maybe save them from some of the mistakes that I made along the way. So you can relate to them not only on the visual graphic design level, but also the startup level on where, um, like you said, you know, sharing your own experiences from starting your own small business. Exactly. It's actually kind of funny because my blog, for the longest time, it was all about like our before and afters and very design heavy. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think it was two years ago, I wrote a post that was about, uh, it was called like seven lessons from an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it was about that year. I had learned a lot that year. I had launched an online course and I'd done all this stuff and I had a lot of kind of trials and tribulations along the road. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, I shared kind of what had happened, where I was and and what I did to get through it Mm -hmm. and where I was then. And I got more comments and more feedback from that one blog post than I probably had from all of the previous ones collect, you know, together. Mm -hmm. And I realized people actually want to hear more about my insights about being an entrepreneur, you know, just as much as they do, you know, they, it resonated deep, more deeply, I guess, with people that writing. So I found the more I write about my entrepreneurial journey and my insights or my opinions, um, the more engagement I get with people. They still want to see the the beautiful before and afters from a design Mm -hmm. perspective. They love those, but the stuff that really resonates with them on a, you know, a deeper level is the, the journey stuff. Okay, well, give me then now, sort of got the story from where you finished school and sort of the process through that. Um, could you give me the sort of 30 second version of lab now? Where's lab now? Yeah. So lab now it's, it's so interesting because it, it originally started with, um, me developing brand camp, which Mm -hmm. is my methodology, which I started that as an online and not as an online course. Sorry. I started that as a two day in person kind of intensive event to help entrepreneurs build their brand foundation. Mm -hmm to help them figure out how to define their brand before they design it. So as I was developing lab creative, because that's a new, that was a new business name. It was a new brand. It was Uh was kind of all new and I needed to find, okay, there's a lot of different branding and design firms out there. How can I distinguish myself from everybody else? So Uh I developed this methodology based on everything I had learned from every brand strategist that I had ever worked with and seen and, and realized, what all the holes were that we needed to fill from a design perspective. So I kind of merged what we need as designers to create a beautiful and amazing and impactful visual brand Mm -hmm. and the strategy and the messaging. So I kind of merged those into my methodology. So started that as a two day event and then we were doing the design as well. Well, what I learned along the way is that our design work got exponentially better because of this methodology. Cool. Our clients got clarity and confidence. We got to know them really well. We developed this bond and this relationship. And I've always been all about relationships. So that was that was really important to me. So I think it was maybe about a year after I actually implemented that as a, a must. Like you can't. So now, whereas before we would just skip right to design if that was what you wanted. If you just said, you know what, we just need a logo. I don't want to go through that that other piece, the brand brand camp piece. And we would. And now that is that's non-negotiable. You must go through my methodology one of a few ways. A few ways. I have my book, 
brand chemistry, which is based on that methodology, which you can, you know, there's a workbook to go with that. There's mm-hmm. my online course. I have it as a two day intensive weekend now and one on one with my clients. So I give people lots of options. Each one's a different price point. So there's typically something that will work for everybody. I've really tried to make it accessible. Accessibility to entrepreneurs is a big part of um, my mandate. Like I don't, I, it's, it's not, we're not cheap by any stretch of the imagination, but we're not outrageously expensive because I, I want this to be something that people will see as an investment and value. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's really the, the brand camp is our phase one. And that is the, you know, kind of the heart and soul of what I bring. Mm-hmm. And it's helping people distill their messaging and get the clarity and confidence and then the next phase is design, and we bring that to life visually. And we've developed our own full kind of methodology and process and client journey that we've created for every client. And that's still, we're still iterating that and improving that as time goes on. I think that's a constant iteration. Like you're always going to be looking at that and seeing, you know, does this jive with the current marketplace, the current economy, and the way everything else is going and all that? Exactly. You have to listen to what your clients are saying because if you think oh this is awesome and then people don't respond to it or they don't understand how to use it and we just had something where we created this awesome kind of training video for something we needed our clients to do but I'm not sure our instructions in the email were clear enough to, Mm -hmm. to tell the client like it was crystal clear to us but it wasn't necessarily to our clients. So just this morning, uh, my designer and I were sitting down and reformatting that email to explain more what we need them to do and why we need them to watch this video. So exactly. it's you have to be willing to iterate and you have to listen and not just be too stuck in your own ways. A hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head with that one. That's okay. That's an incredible story about sort of where it, where your business started, where you started and in sort of after school and sort of where things are at now. I want to kick the story back even further. And I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. Did you have a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career path? Yeah, it was. um, Oh, man, I wish I had it. I could show you. I just my mom just came across some old she was going through their house and finding all these old projects and like, you know, that drawer that you have with your kids stuff that you know, that art project from years ago. I'm gonna guess I think I may be like eight or something. And there's some great, very interesting drawings in there. But one of them was um, a picture of me on a stage with a microphone, <laughs> uh, you know, and being a star. And I was like, well, I do speak on stages now. So I thought that was very interesting. But nice. I remember drawing a lot um, and, you know, creating, maybe not necessarily on paper specifically, but I was a dancer and, I was creative in a lot of different ways. It wasn't really until high school when I had an amazing design teacher. I think it, it was called desktop publishing or something was the name of the class, uh-huh. something that was what it would have been called in the 90s. <laughs> and I went through every single one of his classes, like the grade nine to grade 12, probably by the time I was halfway through you know, grade 11 uh-huh. or grade 10 to the point where he actually got permission to teach me more advanced things while he was Whoa. teaching another class. And he could see my aptitude. And I was always a practical person. So while I loved art and, and design, I 
I was like, well, I'm never going to be an art. Like I didn't see a career as an artist. Like I didn't have a desire to do that. I was like, that's not the practical choice. So even as a teenager, I was, I guess, somewhat practical uh, in my mind. But so he could see my aptitude for design and I loved it. And so when it came time to looking at colleges and universities, he actually took a group of us around to the open houses to different design schools and helped guide me. And I was his first student to graduate from a design program. That's cool. So that was that was really that's really special. In fact, we just reconnected not too long ago, which was which was really fun. That's cool. Sort of full circle update then. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. it was it was pretty awesome. Well, he's an illustrator, so he one of my kids came home with one of his children's books from his school from the school library. And it was my high school design teacher. That's so, <laughs> so crazy. I, so I took a picture of the book and then sent it with my kids and sent it to him. And so then we met for lunch. So it was it was actually a really fun kind of way that we even reconnected. That's cool. Um, Laura, I want to ask you then, through all of this process, what stands out to you as the most influential design of your life so far? It could be something that you've seen and just stuck with you um, for whatever reason, or maybe even something you've been a part of that really changed or, or formatted the way that you would move forward with design. Wow. That's... That's a tough question. I feel like I'm not a, I'm not so much of a follower. Like I'm not one that I, I get design influence from so many places and not always the places you might imagine, right? So my husband owns an architecture and interior design firm. So when we go travel, we look at a lot of interior design and a lot of buildings and we look at the design of um, tiles and windows and I'll be looking at typography on signage or you know so it's it's I feel like I'm I feel like travel has been I know that probably sounds very cliche but travel has been such an influential part of my journey as a person as a designer living abroad I lived in Denmark so I had that Scandinavian influence Mm -hmm which I feel like that time I spent living in Copenhagen was probably, especially in my formative early design years, I was in my early twenties. I feel like that really had a strong influence on my design aesthetic. Mm. And right. Because if you look at all of my designs, they're clean, they're simple, they're elegant. There's, there's space there, you know, they all look different, but yet there's, there's a feeling that you get uh, to them, which I think has translated throughout my entire career as a, as a creative. So that's, I know that maybe that's not the answer you're looking for, but I would say that those, those initial years after college, when I lived, lived abroad was really the biggest influence and then traveling and seeing other cultures and design in other places. So I feel like as a designer, you can't just sit in your own bubble and totally and create without, you know, I, I, you have to fill the well, you have to go and, you know, go to Mexico and go to, you know, Europe and, you know, go to the mountains, get out in nature. Like you can find inspiration, even if you don't realize at the time that it's mm-hmm. inspiring you from a design perspective. Totally. Totally. Um, 
I want to now then sort of skip forward a little bit because you sort of touched on the influence and sort of where you're pulling some inspiration from. And I want to ask a little bit about print and des- and print design. Um, mm-hmm. how, how have you utilized print and print design in your career? And do you have any stories or recent projects that are really um, close to you or that you're proud of in print and packaging? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing a lot of print for years. I mean, the stationery was very print heavy. Mm-hmm. We did some really cool, like gold foil on wood veneer. Oh, I love it. That was epic. I still <laughs> so, so fun. Um, it's still one of my favorites. Um, you know, I liked to push the envelope. Even I remember my printer saying, and you know, when I started my stationery business years ago, they were not doing full color Pantone, like a, you know, it, they'd never experienced a designer creating and using color and design in the way that I was. So I was mm-hmm. pushing and challenging them. So that was kind of fun. It didn't always, you know, go well. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I guess something like, oh, that is not what was intended. But, yeah. um, you know, I would say we do less print now. I feel like we're in a, such a digital age that mm-hmm. now it's more like people need Instagram graphics and, you know, business cards that I don't believe are dead. I know some people would disagree with me, but I've had people have whole conversations about my business cards with other people at events that I've been at. Awesome. Because I have a few different, I have four different colors based on the, the colors of my logo. So I actually had people swapping business cards because they wanted the other color with other people. So I, and that was awesome. really, I think it's, like let's, if you're going to print something, create a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like learning about how to talk about your business. If you hand over a boring business card, people are not going to remember you and they're probably not going to keep it. Right. So it's, it's no different than how you would talk about your business or show up at an event, right? You have to show up looking like your brand, looking well put together. You have to hand over a killer business card. You have to be articulate and passionate about what you do. If you have all of those things, imagine the impression that you can leave somebody with. hundred percent. But I think in terms of the most recent and kind of the proudest thing for me is my book. Uh-huh. Uh, Brand Chemistry came out in April of this year and I was heavily involved in what it was going to look like and feel like. Um, uh, probably more so than they've ever had any other author. author. <laughs> so my publisher, I warned them right up front, like this is a book about branding, but I'm a designer. And, you know, one thing that's really unique about me is that most brand strategists or m- who speak about branding or write about branding don't have any design background. Mm-hmm. And so I come at this whole field from a design perspe- perspective. So my yeah. book, needed to look like the best, most beautiful business book you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so it's full color. 100%. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so first off, I want to say, where can people find this book? Uh, it's on Amazon. Okay. So Amazon.ca, uh, if you're in Canada, .com if you're in the US. Um, and yeah, so Brand Chemistry is the name of the book. And, you know, the way you sort of warned your publisher that I'm a graphic designer and I come from this from the working my way upside. So I will creative direct this from my designer brain, just so you're aware. My, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly sort of where I come from, because I help people craft really good 
print um, experiences for their customers through packaging or print is, um, or print or booklets, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I come at it from, I used to run presses. I used to bind books. I used right. to do all of those things. So, so you I, know. I know, and I've sort of come through that process. I've seen a lot of things work. I've seen a lot of things that don't work and I can help advise based on that. So it's, it's the same sort of angle that I approach that with. Yeah. So that like I, I chose the paper on the inside of the book. I wanted to make sure because there's some pages that are full color. And I Mm -hmm. said, well, the pages inside have to be thick enough that you don't see the bleed through from the other side. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a hard cover and I have a black um, end sheet you know, which I had to pay like 20 cents extra for. But I'm like, it's <laughs> totally worth it. And then I got a white pen. I see what you're saying where you come at from the, you know, putting a black end sheet, you have a vision for it. And then getting exactly. the white pen so that you can sign it and you get that great contrast off of it. You know, that the, that forethought to go with that. And, you know, it's so funny when they come back with, oh, are you sure it's going to be five or 20 cents more? You're like, I don't care. It's going to look so much better. Do it. <laughs> I mean, the book was already full color with a hard cover. It was going to be expensive enough. And it was, I'm like, what's another 20 cents. And I had that vision for, yeah. and I think it's because I've seen other books where people write, you know, sign their name with a Sharpie and then it bleeds through to the next page or the two pages through, depending on how thick that is. And I yeah. thought, well, I want to avoid that. And it's been so interesting to see the comments I get from people when they see that I come prepared with this white pen and that I'm, I'm signing it. They're like, so even the fact that I'm signing the book on in a white pen on a black page inside the book, they, people notice that it's a tiny detail, but it's important. And I love that, that, that even that's become a little thing. Totally. I love that. Yep, you sort of explored all of the, you know, you know the the ways that it's going to really stand out and be different, and that you you sort of exactly you exploit that on purpose, which is great because it gets attention, and it's such a small thing, but it gets attention exactly. Yeah. But I think that's what people do, sometimes misunderstand is that it's not always the big grand gestures no. that get the most attention. It's the little details. It's the a little video you send your client saying, Hey, looking forward to working to like the little, the things that don't have to necessarily cost you a cent that will be the most meaningful. It's not yes. this, you know, it's never been some big extravagant gift that I've sent my client that has been the thing that they remember the most or valued the most. It's something I've said or something I've done that it's, it's more about the intention behind it rather than mm. it being something fancy or expensive. Love it. All right. Well, the next few questions I have for you, Loria, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, faced some challenges, and you have learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Yeah, so, I've got a few. Buckle, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> um, so what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging? And how did you get through it? Oh, the most challenging. Um, I think it's when there's been a pivot required. So I feel like I've had a few. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I think that the the shift to Lab Creative was probably in some ways the most exciting and yet 
the most terrifying <laughs> to say goodbye to something that has been a part of me for so long. It was actually sure. part of my identity. I was known for that. And I'm like, if that's not who I am anymore, who am I? So I kind of felt like I was losing myself a little bit in that change. So that was that was hard on me more on a, from an emotional level, right? But it wasn't necessarily something people would see from the outside. Um, you know, I've had experiences where I've tried things and, you know, and failed. And, you know, it's a years ago, I thought, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to be in this big show and I'm going to launch this new thing and it's going to be amazing. And I spent a huge amount of money investing in it and it was a total flop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but I really thought that that was going to work. So what do I do now? Right. And again, it's that pivoting and that those taking those things you learn from these really terrible things and figure out what to do next. And I've definitely learned that surrounding yourself with the right people is key. Having community, having uh, a business coach or a mentor or mastermind groups, other entrepreneurs who get you and get what you're trying to do to help you through those, those times. Mm -hmm. I think like, I don't necessarily feel like I have one that I felt like was going to kind of break me. I felt Mm -hmm. like there's, there's always those lots of ones over the years. And then you get to a point where you think you're trying to get to and you realize, Oh no, that's not it. Like you need to keep kind of pushing and going further. So it's kind of the perpetual entrepreneur challenge where maybe there's a part of you that never quite feels satisfied with where you <laughs> are and want to be where you think you want to go. Yeah. So I think it's just my biggest challenge just in general is, is keeping my mindset sharp and positive and on abundance mm-hmm. and not scarcity. I yeah. think there's a huge amount of scarcity in the design space in terms of charging less than somebody else or, you know, it's competition and FOMO and somebody's doing better than you. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in that mm-hmm. and really trying to drown that out in a way and or keep that from, from getting in so that I focus on my goals and where I want to go and who I want to serve 100%. and what my purpose is. 100%. That's really the the main objective. Really well said. No, I couldn't Thank agree you. more with that. Um, Laura, I want to now ask about a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had a few over the years. Um, I think it usually you know, and I actually wrote about this in my book about difficult clients, uh, you know, toxic clients. And I always in, in the moment, or sometimes it's more than a moment, it's like can span months, right? For sure. You need somebody to vent to. So I always my husband, because we're both entrepreneurs, we, we tend to share a lot of these things with each other. And sometimes people just don't listen to you, and they don't respect you or your opinion. Um, I don't have so many of those experiences anymore now that I've gotten really crystal clear on who I serve and who I want to work with. 
And I've also gotten really good at listening to my gut when something doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes my brain wins out. I was like, no, we can do this. But, you know, every time I've always thought I should have listened to my gut. And my, you know, what I wrote in the book is that, you know what, you get into these situations and they suck. But they're short. Imagine if you were, you know, if I was an employee somewhere and I was in a job and I had a toxic workplace or a client that I didn't see an end to, you don't, there isn't an end date to that unless you leave your job potentially. Mm-hmm. So there's an end date to typically when we work with clients. Sometimes it goes on, but I can end it at some point. And that is empowering. So I believe that you just do the best job you can for that client and you, you know, you wish them well and you move on. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've typically done in a very, like uh, somebody used the expression that you love them out the door. I love that. And I love that because you don't want to burn bridges. You don't want to be the jerk. You want to take the high road. It can be hard. You know, I've written a lot of emails that I've never sent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Sometimes, you know, a word of advice Uh, draft your emails. If you have somebody you're going to respond to that you're like in the heat of the moment, you're like typing out those emails, draft it, read it the next day, have somebody proofread it for you because tone and email and, you know, it's huge. And you want to take the high road and I've made mistakes. I'm by far not perfect. I've gotten myself into situations where I'm like, man, if I only hadn't done that or said that, We've all been there. We're human. That's life. But it's just do the best job you can and exit left, right? Totally. Yep. Exit with grace. I like the way that uh, you said that. Let them, what was that? Let them go with love? Love them out the door. Love them out the door. I love that. (laughs) Um, What is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? Um. I would say scheduling, Mm. very unsexy, I know, but um, keeping projects moving forward, Mm -hmm. keeping them from getting like stopped by the client or slowed down, losing momentum, having too many projects starting at the same time and then lulls, you know? Um, So like the scheduling really looking at how long certain things take because there's so much in design, right? Like something can take an hour, it could take 10 hours. It can Mm -hmm. be, that can be a tough one to navigate. So we're really trying to implement uh, some better kind of a methodology around what happens when approximately how many hours and really sitting down and looking at when can we realistically start this next project or how much can we get done of these projects this week and next week and I think ultimately I will need a project manager to help us manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing the best job we can right now, but it can be challenging sometimes because we have way too many, like right now we are slammed with projects and yet there are other times where we're not. So it's, it's more about the fl- the ebb and the flow of business and trying to, for me, get better at spacing things out. Yes, for sure. Um, okay, I'm going to turn this around here for you. And I want you to tell us about the project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing. Hmm. 
I, there's so many that I love for so many different reasons. Um, so that's, it's always challenging to pick that, like, what's that one project? Mm-hmm. Um, we have one that we com- completed recently, which it's always so hard for me to pick favorites. Um, that I, but I'm super proud of it for a number of reasons. One, I think the messaging, uh, the tagline, the work we helped them with that brand foundation piece through, through brand camp, was really powerful. And then how we brought it to life through the visuals and now seeing it in their packaging and in their, so it's, um, they're called Wonderkind. Mm -hmm. It's an online gifting. So it's, uh, their tagline is because gifting matters. So they actually curate, it's all Canadian women run um, businesses that are creators of whatever, you know, a product. Uh, So whether it could be jewelry, it could be scarves, it could be, food related um and they've created a brand where it's a surprise for the end user for the end like the the person you're buying the gift for yes so you you have to put in some information about your friend or your spouse or whoever it is and they you actually don't know what will be sent to them so it's kind of a it's a beautiful and they they give some some of the proceeds go to charity and they support amazing women entrepreneurs across canada so I love the business because I love what we created for them from a design perspective, but I just love, I love the owners. I love what they stand for. I love what they're trying to create. And so I feel like there, it's kind of multifaceted. I feel like every project we work on, there's something I love. And this one, I feel like it just, there's so much meaning and thought put into every aspect. In fact, you'd love the packaging that they've, they've created Sweet. with our branding. I'll, I'll have to send it to you, but it's, mm-hmm. it just kind of ticks all the boxes. Awesome. It really makes me smile every time I see it. That's cool. I'm going to look them up. Wonder kind, right? Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, Laura, what is one design product or a tool or a website or community that you just can't live without? Um, I mean, I love Instagram. Does that count? <laughs> absolutely, it counts. Yeah, absolutely, it counts. I feel like, in terms of like social media, I find like LinkedIn and Instagram—they're super different. But those are my two platforms that mm-hmm. uh, Instagram kind of satisfies my design visual pers- side of me, and LinkedIn the business side of me. So I feel like I can kind of cross over into both of those worlds, but those are two, two things. And then I have all of those tools that I use to run my business. I use active campaign for my email and my, my marketing. I use Monday for project management. And, you know, we have this whole plethora of tools that we use. Calendly, Calendly actually has been a lifesaver in terms of scheduling Mm -hmm. uh, meetings without all of the back and forth. Uh, So that's, just a huge time saver. So I feel like there's sometimes I feel like there's too many tools, right? There's so many for different sometimes I'm like if only there was one tool that could do all the things, but then they wouldn't necessarily be good at all. It's like anything I tell my clients, you can't be great at everything. You have to no, be really sure. good at the thing you do. So they might do everything, but they might not do everything really well. So uh-huh. I hear it. No, yeah. that's a nice one. It's a nice shout out. Um, Laura, have you reached the ask it forward question? Mm-hmm. So this is where I have a question for you from my previous guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. All right. As soon as this last guest asked this question, I 
kind of guessed at what I think your answer is going to be. So I'm oh. curi- curious to see if I'm going to be right or not. Okay. Um, so my last guest was Austin Dunbar from Durham Branding Co. in Covington, Kentucky. Okay. His question was, if you didn't have the creative drive or couldn't be creative, what would you be doing to feel fulfilled? Ooh. Oh, I wonder, I, I want to know what you think your, my answer was going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I would be speaking. I would be a motivational speaker, which I am already in a way from a business perspective, but I have mm-hmm. a whole backstory where I've been uh, speaking about a totally different topic than branding and design for mm-hmm. years. So I believe I, I'm meant to be on a stage inspiring people, whether it's through business and design and branding or just designing their lives and living their life beyond the status quo. So I think what I thought is this, you could tie it in. I think it's pretty close. Okay. I, I guessed teaching. Oh, well, I did teach. Uh, I taught a year at college mm-hmm. and I, I didn't quite feel it. Well, I think I was good at it, but um, so, I like teaching my clients. I like teaching the entrepreneurs. Yes. So I think I am a teacher. There is a small portion of that that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Laura, yeah. what, is, what is your ask it forward question from an ex guest? So everybody would be in this in this space, correct? Yeah, everybody's designer, illustrator, creative director. Mm-hmm. I would like to know their opinion on whether or not they think the business card is dead. Ooh, or I like it. Is it still alive? Just to get a feeling of what you know, what are other people seeing and hearing and how can we keep Something like that. When you think now about uh, something like letterpress, mm-hmm. right? That was dead for a long time, and it got revitalized. Hundred percent. Now it's like sought after. A thing. Exactly. So, you know, and it, maybe it's just. Do you think print is dead? Maybe it's not just business cards. So I think that's it's interesting. I'd love to hear what the next guest has to say about the world of print. I like it. I will ask them. You'll have to listen for the answer. All right, I will. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a joy chatting with you and hearing more about your story and Lab Creative and the things that you're out there doing and sharing. Thank you. It's been awesome. Lots of fun. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. And uh, you know what? I'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye.